About eight years ago, I began meeting with a close friend of mine to read a book together. It was a book all about how to make disciples. We felt the Lord calling us as a church into a season of disciple making. That's, that's helping people who don't know Jesus to follow Jesus and helping people who already follow Jesus to, to follow him more closely. And I met with this friend weekly and we discussed the book together. And honestly, I was doing it more to help him than I was doing it for me. And yet as this friend has the ability to do, he managed to turn the tables on me. Anyone got a friend like that? (laughs) Very gently and yet very firmly, he said to me, Ellis, where are you making disciples of people outside the church? And in that moment, I suddenly realized there was nowhere that I was sharing my faith with people outside the church. I didn't even have relationships with people outside the church in which I could share my faith. And here I was going around telling other people, you need to share your faith with people outside the church. And yet I wasn't even willing to get out there and do it myself. Well, if you hadn't figured it out by now, pastors don't have it all together. And that's okay because you don't have it all together either. and, And I know that. As we're going to read in our passage today, which states it a little bit more bluntly, we all sin. And anyone who tries to convince themselves or others that they don't sin is lying. Now, perhaps you wouldn't call my lack of sharing my faith with those outside the church a sin, but I think you definitely call the hypocrisy of telling others to do something I wasn't willing to do myself a sin. And if my friend hadn't said to me what he'd said, if he hadn't asked that question, I probably would have remained unaware of this blind spot in my life. And I think it's the same for all of us. We all sin, and often we are unaware of those areas of our life where we are doing it. So what can we do? If we want to follow Jesus, if we want to live lives that are are worthy of him, given all that he's given to us, if if we want to uh, respond to the call to be holy, to be set apart, to be be pure, if, if we want to get rid of sin in our lives, and yet it's hiding, what can we do? We can embrace accountability. Well, good morning and welcome to Chapel Hill. My name's Ellis, I'm one of the pastors here and I'm really glad you've decided to join us on this Memorial Day weekend. I want to take a moment to join with the voices that have gone before to uh, pay honor to those who have given their life in service for this country to enable us to be here this morning to worship in freedom. We are in the middle of a series here at Chapel Hill called DNA. We are talking about what makes Chapel Hill unique. And we believe there are nine pieces of DNA that when you put them together, they create this unique church that we call Chapel Hill. And we've split these nine into three groups of three, and we've labeled each group, head, heart, and hands. What we believe, how we behave, and what we do. And over the last two weeks, we've been focusing on that heart set of um, values, how we behave. And we have heard that we embrace three things, humility, courage, and today, accountability. 
And if you didn't get a chance to hear Pastor Julie preach on humility two weeks ago or Pastor Mark preach on courage one week ago, I would highly recommend you go listen to them on our YouTube channel or podcast. I was personally transformed by those messages and I think you will be too. So go back and take a listen if you didn't get a chance. But today, we are going to be talking about what it means when we say we embrace accountability. And my hope today is that we might discover why we embrace accountability, how we should embrace accountability, and what we need to do in order to embrace accountability. Why, how, and what. So let's start with the why. Why should we embrace accountability? Have you ever seen a UV flashlight before, an ultraviolet flashlight? So I heard about these, I've seen some videos of these. Uh, Apparently, if you shine it on uh, surfaces, particularly fabric, it can reveal stains that are hiding there. So I picked one up off of Amazon, and I decided to spot check one of my child's bedrooms. Here's what happened. It's a special sort of light, because it shows up where there's dirt. And I wondered if you wanted to come and have a look in your bedroom and see how clean your bedroom looks. Do you want to come and have a look? Why are you telling me that? Well, come on up. What about the carpet? Oh, what's that on the carpet? Some things are so little that Rumble can't... Oh, look at... What is that? What is that there? What do you think it is? You know, sometimes that is just pushed down. That's just pushed down? Yeah. Are you sure? Yeah. But I can't get rid of it. Why don't you try and get rid of it? It's not going. But you can't see it, can you? Ellen does most of it. Evelyn does it. Is that right? Yeah. (laughs) Daddy, you know what might be from you? Because this used to be your office. Oh. Oh, it's my fault, is it? (laughs) I... Poor Ezra. He was so embarrassed. And yeah, Ezra, what you don't realize is that this reflects much more poorly on your parents than it does upon you. Really, we are responsible at your age for cleaning your bedroom. But wasn't it amazing that you could look at a surface and you couldn't see any stain there and then you grab this UV light and all of a sudden you see this stain that's hiding in plain sight. Sin is the same. It remains hidden until we shine a light on it. And accountability is that light. Here is how John, one of Jesus' closest friends, one of his disciples, puts it in his first letter, chapter one, verse five and following. He writes, this is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. 
This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In this passage, John is telling us that our sin loves to hide. So often we are not aware of our shortcomings, like the story I shared about me and my friend at the beginning. It's like we're walking in darkness, but when we shine light on our lives, our sin is revealed. Just like when I shine that UV light on the carpet in our house, it revealed the stain that was hiding there. So when we shine God's light into our lives, our sin is revealed. And that process of shining light into our lives is what we call accountability. And that's why we embrace accountability. Without accountability, we will deceive ourselves into thinking that we don't sin. But with accountability, we are aware of our shortcomings and failings. Now, as a church, we embrace accountability in a large number of ways. First and foremost, we embrace it by being a part of a denomination. Your elders and your pastors make themselves accountable to other elders and pastors all around the country. Last week, I was at our presbytery meeting, which is the regional gathering of our denomination, and we do that three times a year. And in that meeting, we do various things which hold pastors and elders and churches to account for their actions. For example, at this most recent meeting, we examined four people who were seeking to get ordained in our presbytery. We wanted to hold them accountable for the standards that we have for ordination, and so we examined them to that end. Also at that meeting, we dealt with the case of a pastor in our presbytery who had had a mental breakdown. And we talked about how we had come alongside that church and alongside that pastor and his family in order to help them through this journey that they are on. And we talked about what it looks like to help churches who are transitioning from one pastor to another. That's just three examples of what we did at this presbytery meeting last week. You see, your pastors, your elders, they're not lone rangers. We're not doing this by ourselves. We're making ourselves accountable to other elders and other pastors in our denomination. They shine a light on us, on our church, and they reveal what is really going on. And they protect you, the members of this church, from potential abuses of the power that you have entrusted to your elders and your pastors. So we practice accountability by being a part of a denomination, but we practice it in many other ways too. Here's three more examples. Right now, our staff are going through their quarterly performance evaluations. And these look not only at how we have performed, but also what is our behavior and attitude and character like. We measure ourselves up against our staff values of humility, hunger, and relational smarts. And alongside this, at the same time, our staff is participating in an annual survey of staff health, the results of which go to our elders so that they can know how is our staff really doing. And here's one more. Did you know every week before the preacher gets up here to preach, several days before the preacher gets up here to preach, they have to send their script of their sermon to a group of around a dozen people who offer input and feedback on the message. Even Pastor Mark does this every week. And I can't tell you how many times the message changes as a result of that accountability. 
So these are just three examples. There are many other ways that we embrace accountability as a church, but why do we do it? Because it helps us to see the things we don't see by ourselves. So first, we said we're gonna talk about why we should embrace accountability. Why? Because it sheds light on the things that are in the darkness. It reveals to us our sin and our shortcomings, which are often hidden from view. So that's why. Second, how? How do we embrace accountability? First and foremost, accountability cannot be embraced outside of fellowship with one another. We cannot embrace accountability unless we are in relationship with others who know us and love us. There's no such thing as an accountable lone ranger. Take a look at verse seven from the verses that I read. John writes, but if we walk in the light, that is if we practice accountability, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. The blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. You cannot walk in the light without being in fellowship with other believers. You cannot embrace accountability outside of relationship. Our hearts are deceptive, and without the light that others shed onto our lives, we will deceive ourselves. And yet, relationships alone are not enough. When I was in college, I was in a college men's accountability small group. We would get together every week and we'd be given a piece of uh, paper when we arrived with a bunch of questions on it, same questions every week, and we'd fill that out by ourselves and then we'd go around and share our answers. And this was pretty intense, and you'll understand why when I start telling you what some of the questions were. Things like, how many minutes did you pray this week? How many days did you read the Bible? What were you spending your money on? What were you looking at online? How were you talking about other people? And we would share our answers with the group every single week. We met together for about a year. But there's one moment from that year that stands out to me in particular. There was a young man in our group who every week had confessed that he was struggling with the same sin. And towards the end of the year, as he was sharing about it once again, he had this just hopeless look on his face. I'll never forget what he said. He said, I've just resolved that I'm never going to be free of this sin. I'm always going to have to live with it. You know, we cannot embrace embrace accountability without community. But what this story of this young man showed me was that relationships alone are not enough. You know, this young man had community, providing him with accountability, but he was still lacking something. Now, if we want to change, we want to be free of a particular area of sin, fellowship with others isn't enough by itself. We need Jesus. It's only when we combine together fellowship with others and the work of Jesus in our lives that we see true transformation. And honestly, although this accountability group was a church group, there wasn't a lot of ministering Jesus to each other that was going on. We mainly just told each other, pick yourselves up by your own bootstraps. Now that verse that I just read, verse seven, it puts both of these ideas right next to each other. But if we walk in the light, that is if we embrace accountability, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Embracing accountability requires both fellowship with others 
and the power of Jesus' blood. We must allow ourselves to be transformed by the work of Christ on the cross. Jesus, the Son of God, who never sinned, took upon himself the consequences of our sin. As the Apostle Paul writes, he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. On the cross, the greatest exchange in human history took place. Our sin and its consequences were laid on Jesus. And in turn, his righteousness and its consequences were transferred to us. Jesus substituted himself for us, dying the death that we deserve to die so that we might live the life that he alone deserved to live. And our sin was fully paid for on the cross. Jesus triumphed over it and he proved it three days later by rising again to new life. And that same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead is alive and work in you. That spirit, by the power of that spirit, we can be set free from any sin that holds us back. Through reliance on the Holy Spirit and fellowship with one another, we can find freedom. There is nothing that Christ cannot set you free from. Amen, church? And so if you are here today and you're in a desperate place, you're saying, I don't need any light shone on my life. I know exactly what it is that I am struggling with. And maybe you're feeling like that young man in that group, hopeless, desperate. Will it ever change? Will I always be stuck with this? I want you to know this morning there is hope. There is transformation in and through Jesus and through fellowship with one another. If you are willing to be bold and courageous and step out and ask for help, I believe God can and God will transform you from the inside out. And the best place you can do that here at Chapel Hill is at Celebrate Recovery. Celebrate Recovery is a safe place where people who are willing to acknowledge their hurts, habits, and hang-ups can come together and they can seek transformation in and through Jesus Christ by being in community with one another. It happens every single Wednesday night at six o'clock right here in this room. And if you are in a place where you know exactly this, this thing that's there and you just can't get over it, a hurt or a habit or a hang up, you just keep coming back to it again and again and again, can I invite you to join me this Wednesday at six o'clock? I get the privilege of teaching this week at Celebrate Recovery and I would love for you to come and join us and experience the transformative power of that community in and through Jesus Christ. So, why do we embrace accountability? Because it sheds light on our lives. How do we embrace accountability? Through fellowship with others and the cleansing power of Jesus' blood. Why, how, and what? What do we do to embrace accountability? You know, my close friend who I, I was speaking about earlier and I got together for lunch a few weeks ago and he asked me yet another difficult question that kind of was like a, a wet fish slapping me around the face. He said, Ellis, 
How many people do you have in your life, like other than your wife, Rachel, how many people do you have in your life with whom you can share anything? And I sat there and I thought hard and I was grateful that I was able to list off three people of whom that was true. But I wonder if I might allow my friend through me to ask you the same question this morning. How many people do you have in your life with whom you can share anything? Obviously, we wanna be able to share anything with your spouse, but when we're talking about accountability, sometimes we need someone outside of our marriage because sometimes it's our marriage where the issues are. And we're talking about someone of the same gender. Cross-gender accountability relationships, let me tell you, can be a bit of a nightmare. So the question for you this morning is, who do you have in your life with whom you can share anything? Maybe you can name people straight away, but maybe, just maybe, you can't. I met with a man between the service who said, you really challenged me with that question. I can't name anyone for whom that's true. If that's you, I would encourage you to think about who might be that person in your life. You know, with the power of technology, it doesn't even need to be someone who lives in this community. It could be someone who you trust from your past, someone who maybe you feel like, I could share anything with them. And then here's what I want to invite you to do. Before you leave today, reach out to them and set up a time to connect. And when you meet with them, say to them, I was at church on Sunday, the pastor asked me this question, Who do I have in my life with whom I can share anything? And I realized I don't have anyone. Would you be that person for me? Would you be that sort of friend with whom I can share anything? And I hope and I pray that you will be surprised at how warm a reception you receive from that other person. That that other person might say to you, I have been longing for the same. Yes, I would love to do that with you. So if you don't have someone, I'd encourage you to think about who that might be. But maybe you're a bit like me and you can, you can list people. Yeah, yeah, I've got these people in my life. Then I wanna encourage you to take a, another step to deepen those relationships and actually invite them to hold you accountable. A few years back, I had a conversation with three close friends in which I, I said to them, I want you to be free to ask me any question you want about anything in my life. And in particular, I want you to ask me about my marriage, I want you to ask me about my parenting, I want you to ask me about my spiritual life, I want you to ask me about what I'm looking at online, and I want you to ask me about how I spend my money. And I want you to check in with me, be proactive. You have my permission and encouragement to ask me any question you want about those areas. And each of my friends said, of course, I'll do that. Absolutely. I would love to do that for you, Ellis. And over the last several years, we've had many conversations in which they have asked me difficult questions. And so I wonder, if you can already name those people with whom you can share anything, is there one of those people that you need to give permission and encouragement to hold you accountable, to challenge you on certain things? person with whom you already feel comfortable sharing everything, but someone who you're gonna say, I need you to ask me. Don't wait for me to come to you. Shine that light into my life. I need you to grab the flashlight and turn it on and shine it into my life and ask me those questions. Maybe you need to reach out to them today. Send them a message, say, we gotta meet. I need to to talk with you. I've got something that I'd love us to talk about. 
And then when you get together, ask them that question. Would you challenge me? Would you hold me accountable? Would you be that person for me? We cannot embrace accountability outside of deep relationships, outside of relationships where we can share anything that we're going through with the other person. If you don't have that kind of relationship, think of someone who that might be and reach out to them. And if you already have those kind of relationships, think about who it is that you could go to and invite them to ask you the hard questions. Invite them to take the flashlight and shine it into your life. But in all this, you must remember that relationship with others alone isn't enough. Embracing accountability comes through both relationship with others and relationship with Jesus. We can only find freedom from our shortcomings in and through the power of Jesus' spirit at work in us. And as we close this message together, I want us to take a moment to invite the Lord to come into our lives, shine his light, ask his spirit to illuminate our lives and then to come in power to change us, to give us boldness and courage to, to step out in these relationships with other people, to invite them to shine a light into our lives and pray that by the work of the Spirit, in and through relationship with others, we might find freedom in Christ. So would you join me in prayer? Holy Spirit, come shine your light on our lives. Illuminate the darkness. If there's any area of unconfessed sin, Lord, we ask that you would reveal that to us this morning. Your word says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Lord, reveal the truth to us. And Lord, we confess those areas to you now. And we claim the truth of the verse following that last one that I just read. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thank you that you are faithful through the highs, through the lows, through everything. And that you are just, that you have borne the consequences of our sin upon your own body on the cross. You will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We receive that cleansing this morning. And then Holy Spirit, we invite you to come give us boldness and courage. We know we can't do this alone and that is why you have given us the church, the body of Christ, community. I ask now that you would call to mind one person to each of us with whom we need to have a conversation this week. Conversation where we ask them, would you go deeper in relationship with me? Pray that you would give us boldness to have that conversation. Send the message to set up a time to do it. And Lord, I pray for the other person that you would open their heart to receive what we're gonna ask of them and that they might respond with a, a willing heart to the question that we ask. And we know that we cannot do this in our own strength, but it is only through Christ at work in us that we are empowered and enabled to live out this life of faith. So Jesus, we invite you to change us. 
we throw ourselves upon your grace and your mercy. And we look to you. You are the one desire of our heart, the one salvation for our lives. We put our trust in you today. Thanks for joining us today at Chapel Hill Church. If you'd like to visit us in person, we're located at 7700 Scancy Avenue, Gig Harbor, Washington. And join us next Sunday to celebrate our 10-year anniversary with the EPC. Our worship service will be held at 10 a.m. We hope to see you there. To learn more about our upcoming events, visit us online at chapelhillpc.org.